Johnny joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? Every day. That is the late great Johnny Cash. Like it, but I guess on this day in 1932. Um, guess, I guess things happen that way. One of the singles he recorded here in Memphis. But he was at Sun. And a pretty good commentary on the Grizzly season, I guess. I don't like it, but I guess things happen that way. Uh, things keep happening with the Grizzlies. Breaking news uh, on the uh, on the roster. Uh, okay, it's Matthew Hurt getting <laughs> getting getting attended. What what have the Grizzlies done? And then goodbye to Jacob Gilliard. What have the Grizzlies done since we last spoke, Chris? Yeah, there's another country song I probably could have used today uh, called uh, by Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris called "We'll Sweep Out the Ashes in the Morning." And, like, this is a long morning that there's, you're sweeping out the ashes, basically. It's like, you know, once things are officially kaput and John's not coming back, you're out of the playoffs and the whole thing, it's just like, you know, they just got to spend the next few weeks sweeping out the ashes, and, like, that's all this is, you know. And so they put Jordan Goodwin, who was on a 10-day. They put him, they, they put Jacob Gilliard. I guess that's the first in the order of operations. They were out of uh, games in which Jacob Gilliard could play with the Grizzlies on his two ways. So they cut Jacob Gilliard. They moved Jordan Goodwin from his 10-day, which was temporary, to the two-way, which they can keep him on the rest of the season and get more games that way. And then they still have enough guys hurt for the next two weeks, four guys out at least the next two weeks. They were able to get yet another hardship exception, and so that's what Matthew Hurt is on. Uh, all right. Um, I don't know if so did Friday counted as sweeping out the ashes, the games themselves, but we did um, – we had Jake LaRavia back. Jay came back. I feel kind of bad that he because he. I'm not going to tell you he played well, but he played better than his box score. Right. Um, you know, a sort of one of eight. Like you just couldn't. And two of those were like he missed like a chippy and then got an offensive rebound and then like missed it again or whatever. Um, so the one of eight looked rough, but I thought you know he was active. He was hitting the boards. He, he was moving the ball. He, he looked okay. I mean, I, nothing, nothing in that game would like lead me to like not just keep putting him out there and letting him get minutes and see what he could do. Um, tonight, Brooklyn, and this honestly, like, if you are someone who cares about uh, the 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 lottery pick, this wouldn't be a bad game to lose. Like, you're right no, there. Not with, at all. This this is you're right there with it's 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 the Grizzlies and Brooklyn and Toronto. Right, those are real the ones who are six, seven, and eight. Well, Atlanta maybe maybe may make it a late breaking yeah. hit. They're going to sit down Trey Young for the next month. Yeah. I mean, but there's a five. They've got five more wins than the Grizzlies. That's hey, that's, it sounds like a challenge to me. <laughs> um, yeah, Trey Young is. Uh, so this is, and what are we? Uh, what's happening? They don't even have their own first round pick. I don't think so. They should be motivated. Um, what's happening in Brooklyn? Well, they just fired their coach, which is sort of odd timing, uh, you know, to fire the coach, I guess. And, like, why not just wait till the end of the season? I guess if you've already decided they're not going to bring him back, maybe they're going to let Kevin Ollie sort of, maybe they're test driving Kevin Ollie, who's in the interim, and maybe he's a candidate for the job. I, I doubt that. Um, you know, that's a team that's sort of stuck in between. And we've talked about that in, re- in relationship to the idea of would they trade Mikael Bridges because. You know they made the, they made the deals. They blew it up with the Durant and the, or the Kyrie Irving stuff, and they got back good players, but not great players. So they got players got back players good enough to not be terrible, but not good enough to lead them to being good again. And so they're kind of stuck with a middling team where your best player is Mikael Bridges, who's a third or fourth best player on a really good team. And so 
I, it's sort of hard to break out of that stuckness with them right now. I, I sort of feel like they should just blow it up for for real. But to your point, you know, there's the drastic issue there. Um, all right. The uh, the one of the things that could happen uh, tonight is that Taylor Jenkins could win his 200th uh, game in regulation. Uh, as the Grizzlies coach, only one other Grizzlies coach has won 200 games in, I mean, not in regulation, regular season, in regular season, uh, and that would be Lionel Hollins. Where does Taylor Jenkins rank in the list of uh, Grizzlies coaches? Oh, I think probably second to Lionel when you, if you're talking about total career. Yeah. I, I go back to sort of the, the, the Bill James thing where he would divide players into peak value and career value, and those are sort of different things. Um, you know, I think Grizzlies have had coaches with high peak value, like Hubie Brown, who won Coach of the Year. I think Mike Fratello underrated peak value in terms of taking a team that was broken and, turn, and, and fixing it on the fly. But in terms of having having success over a longer period, it's it's Lionel and and it's Taylor. Um, Lionel made it to a conference finals. Taylor has not. Um, but Taylor does have a playoff series win under you know under his belt. He finished second in the West twice. So I think right now he's second to Lionel, but like you know, he's got the trajectory to take that spot if they have playoff success in the next couple of years. Yeah. So Taylor has playoff wins. Hubie and Mike neither neither one did right. They both were over. not even a game. Yeah, not even a game. So even peak value, I don't know. Of course, Hubie had a lesser team, um, very clearly uh, that he was taken to fifty wins. Um, right. And then you didn't even mention Dave Yeager. What does it? Dave Yeager have playoff wins? Dave, he beat the Clippers, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he, well, he beat the Blazers. He beat the um, Blazers, yeah. The year they beat the Blazers, then they lost to the Warriors. I think that was his only series win as the head coach, if I remember correctly, because they were that thing. They were the great years. They they advanced every other year in the playoffs, and so I think he he his one year where he advanced was that one. Of course, you know, one of those years he had nothing to work with. Brian at the podium thing. Jaeger was a good coach. The only thing about Jaeger is. He sort of he sort of took over a team that was built, you know, and right. so the, he sort of like you give sort of Lionel A took that team further playoff wise, and B Lionel sort of built the team for the most part that Jaeger took over. I mean, they tweaked it after that, but it was it was you know the the, the whole team came for Lionel. So early in the season with Taylor, I mean, I I, I, the, the, I think. My thought was, or maybe I'm just channeling you. If I, your thought was, uh, you can miss, you can correct me if this isn't right. Is that he wasn't clearly responsible for their losses, but he didn't seem to be doing much. This is when they were a catastrophe to actually have them outperform their lineups. Um, now it feels like over the back, particularly defensively, like they have they have hung in there. Um, it, it certainly there's no talk about replacing him or anything else. Uh, what, what do you make of the job that Taylor is, Jenkins has done this year, or is it like, like the players? We said it's hard to judge Jaron in this year, hard to judge Taylor Jenkins as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of all that going on. I, I did think early in the season, the team, the, uh, it all fundamentally starts with the roster, and so right. they weren't underperforming. But they weren't overperforming either. It, you know, it didn't. It seemed like he was struggling to find answers of what he had to work with. I think he's done a better job of finding answers is what he's what he's had to work with later in the season. Um, even though the success, I mean, they they had a nine game losing streak, you know, before they won those two heading into the playoffs. But I, I do think, and so I think he's at the stage where he's going to be judged more in the playoffs, and so they got to get back to that. 
And I think, again, to have a team that is is a top-ten-level defense with all the problems they've had, and that's something that I think coaching really – you really you look back to coaching with stuff like that. Um, the fact that they, they – they have not, let, for the most part, let go of the rope. Like, they're playing hard and playing competitive and, and playing, like, comprehensible competitive basketball. They're not making a mockery of the game out there, even amid right. their losing. Um, and the fact that there's been there's been no internal drama related to the, the coaching situation, certainly that I, that I I can detect or anyone else, as far as I know, has, has, has detected. You don't always know the way everything that's internal but there's no sense of like you know that amid the struggles, like players are doubting right. the coaching on the team, and so like all of that, you know, you know, redounds to his benefit or whatever. And so I think Taylor Jenkins, on the whole, has acquitted himself well, as he has pretty much every season. Do you? Um, he will. Uh, they get to the playoffs. He'll be judged uh, by the playoffs when they when they if he gets to the playoffs. I guess my question is this: Do you think? Do you think the next thirty, the, the first thirty games of next year, will be critical? I mean, you know, will be critical for for Taylor Jenkins. Oh, if they go poorly and there's no roster reason, people. I mean, if the team underperforms the talent on the floor, I think right. people will be anxious about that. Sure, I mean, I, I, there's no reason to think they will. But but if that were the case, because I do think, you know, it, 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 this season too, but this season sort of had. Didn't have a mulligan on, from the jump, but it had close to that with right. the jaw, the jaw suspension, and then the Adams thing, um, and then you know the other injuries and stuff added on top of that. But there was the sense, and I've written about this, that like it's not that this team can't be good after this window. In fact, it's actually set up pretty well even beyond this window. But the best, the best setup they have, the best known setup they have, was going to be these three years, this year and the next two. This year, this year got torpedoed for reasons that certainly were outside of Taylor Jenkins' control. Um, but that that only increases the pressure, I think, on the next two. I think next season is not going to be a, you know, you know, we're we're a young team and we're building right. for some horizon out in the distance. It's like it's right now. You know, you need to be there with Oklahoma City and Minnesota and Denver, and the and you need to be in the mix. You don't necessarily have to like win the West next season, but you have to be firmly in the mix, in the competitive mix in the Western Conference next season. Unless, you know, your entire roster gets injured again, in which case, right. you know, I don't, I don't know how people would react to that, <laughs> but, you know, beyond things out of its control, like it's, it's important for the whole, the whole franchise to be good next season. Um, all right, a couple other things. Um, you're, I know you're a big Steve Kerr guy. And so he will be here for the next two years. He's extended his contract for two more years. Um, it is interesting. Like, they've clearly figured some things out. And I was talking to Dan Devine about this. They've cleared some things out that Steve Kerr obviously was hesitant. Like, he was hesitant to embrace the young guys. In Injuries and ineptitude sort of forced him to, ultimately. I don't really blame him for staying with Clay Thompson as long as, you know, the, the, I don't know. What do you make of the way things have unfolded in Golden State? What, what, what did their slogan used to be? A power in numbers or whatever? Is that what it was? I thought that was that, yeah, strength in numbers. Was that them or was that, yeah, yeah was I think them? strength in numbers. I, that, that, that was, was that OKC? That was them? Okay. Uh-huh. I think that was Golden State. Their, their new slogan is clearly now, till the wheels fall off. <laughs> and I think that's fine. I think that's a perfectly defensible at this point. Like, you know, I mean, these two years match up with the two years on Steph's deal. 
And I think they're saying, like, we're, we're riding this for two more years. Whatever happens, like, we're riding. We've won four titles. This is what we're about. These are these are the statues and the, that are going up and the jerseys that are going up, and we're gonna we're just going to ride it for the next two years, this year, the next two years after this one, and then we'll go from there. And I think that's a totally defensible thing to do. And, like, you know what? They've been pretty good lately. Um, you know, they're pretty clearly going to be in the play-in. Um, and they've been playing pretty good basketball the last few weeks. And, you know, for, for whatever the sanctimony can be eye-rolling at times, like Steve Kerr is obviously one of the better coaches of the league. Well, and, and Kaminga and Pajemski, like whatever you think of Vince and Gigi, I'd take their two. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they have another. Yeah. We thought they were going to have a, a whole generation of good players between Wiseman and Moody and, like, but those two have been it's mostly terrific. Just that Wise, it's, most, it's mostly just that the Wiseman thing was a dud. Right. And, and, and actually, obviously, Moody has been, like, they're not playing him, but he's kind of been okay. Like, I'm right. not out on Moody necessarily. But it's mostly that it was two things with that. It was, A, Wiseman thing just was a complete dud that didn't work out at all. And then, B, people were too impatient with it. You know, I mean, Kaminga and Moody were two of the youngest players in that draft. Right. And so, like, those guys weren't going to step in and be whatever they were going to be in year one or even year two. And so, like, you know, it's, you know, they've done a decent job. It's just that they were depending on it happening, depending on too much too soon with it, I think. Right. Uh, and then finally, I asked Dan, Dan Devine this question. And the question is, I'm allowing you to either take one team or the field in the East and the West. And it seems pretty obvious you take the Celtics over the field in the East, right? Yes? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's 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 a somewhat, I don't think it's obvious. Because the field, it's hard to take anything over the field. But right. I think in that case, it does tip in that direction. Okay. Yeah. How about in the West? I mean, you can take one team or the field. <sighs> No, I, I'll take the field, but I'm tempted. I'm tempted. To me, it, 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 it's, it's a close call. It's actually sort of a close call in both directions. I think on the east, it tips towards the Celtics, and in the west, it tips towards the field. But I feel pretty good about Denver. And all of these suddenly, you know, Denver, I mean, Dallas looks, you know, that, that Dallas looks, I, I, it is like Golden State and, and the Lakers look improved, but not meaningfully so. Not that it wouldn't threaten Denver, right? I don't know. Like, does Dallas look improved that it could possibly, like, uh, no, do I, something I mean, serious? I, 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 no, the field I'm worried about is the Clippers and right. the Thunder and, and maybe the Wolves, you know. I, I'm, right. not, I'm not really worried, worried about, about that. Even Dallas and us, like, their, their improvement. Yeah. Um, all right, Chris, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks. Chris Harrington from the uh, Daily Show. 